Welcome to the Colby Cast, episode 124. Thank you for joining us. Today, Bonnie and I are joined by Colby moms and academic advisors, Karen Allgood, Kristen Pizzurro, and Erica Treat. As advisors that are in the thick of it themselves, they're not only able to share their own joys and challenges of homeschooling, but also can speak to how Colby's academic advisors can help in the homeschooling journey. We hope that you'll enjoy the show. Hi there, I'm Bonnie, liturgical musician, popcorn and podcast fanatic, and Colby homeschooling mom to four lads and lasses of middle and high school age. And this is Stephen, homeschooling father of five and director of development for Colby Academy. Stephen, as part of your service to Colby, you devote a lot of time to working with the academic advisors, right? You want to tell us a bit about that? Yeah, that's one of, well, that's my favorite part of things with Everett Bayarski, who's been on the show many times. We we work with the academic advisors, and since my passion is homeschooling and homeschoolers, that's kind of what we love to do is to see, work with people who are directly helping the homeschooling families. Well, all of our families are homeschoolers, but specifically the ones who are doing more of the, the homeschooling, I think that's so yeah, and we've it was just a wonderful group of advisors, so I'm glad we could get some of them on today. Yeah, yeah. The advising services offered by Colby are a significant part of the Colby difference that I talk about frequently. And today we're tapping into the wealth of wisdom and experience found among the Colby advisors, many of whom are homeschooling parents themselves, relating to the various facets of doing school at home. We are joined by Colby advisors Karen Allgood, Kristen Pizzurro, and Academic Dean Erica Treat. Hello and welcome to the Colby Cast, you three. <laughs> Hi, thanks for having us. Hello. Thank you. Sure, sure. Erica is no stranger to the Colby cast, having been a guest a number of times as well as a guest co-host. But this episode is the first for Karen and Kristen. So let's get to know you two a little better and catch up with Erica. Karen, we'll start with you. Would you tell us your Colby story and a bit about yourself and your homeschooling experience? Hi. So I am fairly new to Colby, but I am not a new homeschooler. So I was actually a public school special education teacher by trade before I started homeschooling. And I worked in public schools long enough to know that I didn't want to send my children there, right? So when my oldest was ready to start school, I decided that I wanted to homeschool. It was something I felt really strongly about. And it has ended up being the best decision for our family. We absolutely love it. Um, so I did elementary school in kind of a variety of ways. And I recently discovered Colby probably a couple of years ago through my local homeschool group, just being with other homeschooling moms. And I heard all about Colby Academy, Colby Academy, Colby Academy. So we are, my oldest is starting middle school and he is just starting some of the online classes. Okay. And I was so excited about it that I then decided to also work here. I feel really passionate about homeschoolers, right? I think homeschooling is is the best thing in the world. And I feel particularly passionate about helping homeschool families with children that have some special needs. And I do a lot of that. I do a lot of working with the younger children that have some kind of special need and talking to those families about how to work with the curriculum, how to how to change things and modify things along the way and make it work for everybody. And it's my favorite part of my job. I love talking to people about that stuff. Fantastic. I'm sure that's a huge help to many families. I'm glad it has all come together as it has been. You have a lot to offer to, to families who are looking for that. And there's a great need for that. 
Kristen, what about you? I, so I currently live in Washington, DC. Uh, we've got five kids and our journey started a long time ago. Actually, we have been kind of all over the country, but we've been in DC for seven years now. So my journey starts back in Kodiak, Alaska, where I met some friends who grew up homeschooling with Seton. And we talked a lot about that. And then they kind of put the bug in my ear that, oh, there's this other option, Colby Academy. And I kind of checked it out and I'm an A-type personality. So I, the uh, the draw of lists and checking off things sounded great to me. I, I have many a parent who like my neighbors all homeschool and they will say, oh, I create my own curriculum. And I think that's amazing. I really do. That is just not my talent at all. So I really yeah. liked being able to say, just tell me what to do for English on day one. Um, so I, that was my draw towards Colby Academy and it moves really well. I am 10 years now into this journey with Colby and we've done everything from full homeschool. And then in middle school, we transitioned with my oldest to online and we've done some self-paced. And so we've kind of tried out all the different models of, of educating, but I like Karen, I'm very passionate about everybody's ability to homeschool. I hear it all the time. I'm not patient enough. And I try not to laugh because I'm not laughing at them. I'm laughing at myself yeah. because I am also not patient. Um, but I do feel like the Holy spirit has called me in this, like, it's almost a ministry for myself. Um, my home has to be, you know, a domestic church. And so it is a daily struggle, daily battle, but I do feel like it's, it's worth it because my goal is yes, to educate my children, but they, my goal is to get them to heaven. That was my directive from God, mine and my husband's. So homeschooling helps us to do that because I get to spend all this time with them. And my favorite part is actually talking about our deep Catholic roots, um, with them individually and together. Yeah, that's beautiful. I can so relate to the wanting to have the structure in place or here's enough for one day. <laughs> That's another one. Yeah. Uh, creating my own curriculum was never, uh, nope, not doing that. And that, it, that laughter you're talking about, same for me. Like I, that, that I can so relate kind of laughter. Like, yeah, yeah. And listeners may remember Kristen, she gave a presentation here recently to enrolled families to that was very helpful to help people kind of get their school spaces set up and make their days go well. So that was a really really great offering. You're doing a number of those this year, aren't you, Kristen, offering those workshops? Yes. Yep. The next one, it's for middle school learning styles. So it'll be me again, talking about the different types of learning styles and then how you can make that work for you still within Colby's curriculum. Um, I am one of those parents. I know lots of families who trade curriculums out often, and I am not one of those just because we're just money conscious. And so yeah. I make the curriculum I have work for me. Um, so I just, I modify as I need it instead of trying to, and I don't know if that's right or wrong. That's just what we do. <laughs> Fantastic. I think they're, you're not alone in that. There are a lot of us who are working toward that end. Yeah. Yeah. You can get caught in a cycle um, of yeah. trying to find um, the best thing. And it's not always the best thing for your family to be. <laughs> to be changing things up all of the time. Right. Yeah. Yeah. We've talked about that before, Erica, about giving time, enough time to kind of really scope something out. It's hard. It's hard to know, know it without working on it for a little bit. 
Mm-hmm. And then realizing if it's the curriculum or if there's something about the way your student learns yeah. that makes that particular subject or whatever you're doing, writing, reading, a challenge rather than the curriculum you're giving them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's very much detective work. Yeah. Erica, it's great to have you back on the Colby cast. Thank you. Listeners, Erica is one of our big time podcast helpers behind the scenes by way of ideas and enthusiasm and support preparing episodes for which I'm so (laughs) grateful. Thanks for all of that and for coming back to visit with us today. How have things been going and what's new in your world? They've been going really well. Um, In my family world, my my kids are both sophomores, one in college and um, one a Colby uh, high school sophomore. So it's it's a new season and it's definitely um, nicer than the freshman season, <laughs> the freshman <laughs> season yeah. that we experienced last year. So it's good. We're kind of, you know, rolling along with that stuff. And then I've also um, expanded into a new role here um, at Colby as an academic dean. I'm still advising. So I'm still, you know, active in that part, but um, getting to grow a little bit supporting other advisors and um, families in some new ways. Okay. I was going to ask you about that, what all that involves as academic dean. I noticed that. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah, we're still um, expanding and forming the role, but um, it has some, a lot of the things that I've done in the past relating to records and graduation progress for all of our students, but also some other things with accreditation and and stuff like that. But um, we're still growing and expanding it and feeling it out a little bit. And Steve probably could speak to it better than I can. Well, I know one of the things is that there's just so much detail with all of that when you get into high school and college preparation and things. And as we're looking at all of our advisors have expanded and there is just so much important things that you have to remember. It's like, we need Erica to help everybody else out with this, in addition to helping her own families. But uh, that's the key to me. I mean, one of the biggest points, but yeah, there's, Erica's just important, very important for all of those processes to run smoothly. So we're glad to have her in that role. Thank you. It's, It's an honor and I'm just humbled that I was considered and I, it's been a while since I became an advisor. So sometimes when Uh, I was looking at thinking about the um, topic of this and how um, that might be different from my homeschool parent role. And I'm like, wow, they've really gelled together into one. So at this point in my journey as an advisor and a home educator, I do have a little bit of a hard time um, differentiating (laughs) between the two because I've, I've been so involved with other families on such a deep level for a couple of years now. But when I first started, I was at this point where I was like, I'm now like the older person that a lot of people are talking to because, you know, I had a, I was graduating a senior at that time, or, you know, I had a high schooler and people were coming to me with questions. And I was like, wow, I'm already kind of advising. So it felt very natural and organic to move into a professional advising role. Um, at that time. Well, we're sure glad you did because that yeah. you've gotten a lot of <laughs> immensely you. helpful. With me too. It's been videos. a it's been a really great thing for me personally and professionally too. Wonderful, wonderful. 
Alrighty, let's talk a bit about your roles as advisors for Kobe families. Uh, Kristen, what attracted you to the role and what insights have you gotten from being an advisor as well as a homeschooling parent? So I, about a, I guess it's a year and a half ago now, uh, the Bates who used to live here on base with me, um, mm -hmm. were good buddies and she had reached out and said, Hey, we're looking for advisors. Is it something you consider? And at that point I had an 18 month old who just was all time consuming. And I just couldn't imagine trying to wrangle her while schooling for others. And so I just said, I'll think about it and I'll pray about it. Um, and then this year started and we just kind of started to realize that we needed to put two of our olders into online classes and we're like, Oh, it's going to cost more money. And, you know, well, let me reach back out. And so I did, I reached back out to, to Chris and she's like, yeah, you know, you should apply for it. And I had already been, so the base that we live on has a very large homeschool group. It's the largest military homeschool group. And I've been director a couple of times and I have found that my favorite part of that job was talking to other families and reassuring them that what they were experiencing in their day was normal and what they choose to do for their curriculum was perfectly fine and that we all homeschool differently. And so I really enjoyed that part of the job. And that really turned out to translate well to being an advisor. Um, I've really enjoyed being able to speak to, to families and talk to them. And I have a lot of the big families. So the ones that have high schoolers all the way down to toddlers. And so it's been really nice to have that to be, they'll say, well, how do you, you know, school? And I'm like, not well. Okay. Like it's <laughs> toddlers are a whole nother breed. And so you just do the best you can. And that's what I tell people. I give them ideas and I'm like, listen, but not all toddlers like to color. So don't be surprised if your toddler's like, here's a mark. Okay. I'm doing something else. Mm -hmm. Um, so I really, I really enjoy that part of being an advisor and it has worked really well for my family. My day with Colby starts a little bit later than my day does with my kids. So mm. we do a lot of our schooling before my day starts. And then they sit on either side of me, the ones that need my direct attention um, so that I can help them as I need to, but okay. it's worked out really well. And I just, again, I really enjoy working with families and it's been fun to see the other side of Colby to see, you know, what a form looks like that I've filled out for years. Um, yeah. I mean, I was with Colby before they had the forms online, they were paper. Um, so it's been fun. I'm like, Oh, this is extensive. And so then I, I narrate as I talk and I don't know if that drives my family nuts. So families nuts. So I'm really sorry if you're one of my families and that drives you crazy, but I'm like, Oh, hang on. I got to scroll through this whole form. Hang on. The part I need to do is at the bottom, <laughs> but that way they kind of can see like, listen, I see every single course ever that's offered so that, you know, as we go through this and they're asking me questions. I'm like, hang on, I got to scroll back up to the top. Um, and so it's just been kind of fun to see that. And I do think Erica's right when she talks about it, they're complementary. So the things that I've learned from her, especially about high school and planning long-term have really bled into my life as a home educator. And like, what does that mean for my kids? And then I find myself talking to my neighbors too. They're like, well, what about this? And so yeah. you know, free advising for my families that, that live near me, apparently. <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice. 
bonus. <laughs> yeah. oh, that's a fun peek behind the curtain, so to speak, see what it's like for you guys uh, on the advisor side when you're working with the families. That's, I always like to get that glimpse. You made re reference to the Bateses. John and Chris Bates, we've talked to them several times. They are friends of the Colby cast, so it's fun to make those connections. I love it. Okay. Karen, what about you? So my story is shockingly similar to Kristen's. <laughs> I was laughing. I mentioned before that I learned about and came to Colby through my local homeschool group. Um, so I, there's several Colby families that are involved there, and I met them and, and became very interested in their curriculum. And I got to know Megan Langle through that homeschool group, and she is who encouraged me to apply for the advising position. And it was it was a very similar conversation, even where I was like, Megan, I have a two year old, and he's wild. I can't possibly do that. But you know, <laughs> you think about it, and I really feel like the Holy Spirit kind of worked on me there because the more you think about it and you sit with it and you pray about it, I was like, well, maybe I can do it maybe I can do it. Sure. Maybe I could do that. And so I applied and I was very unsure of what it was going to look like. I was, I was really concerned that it was just going to be a complete mess, but it, but I think when you're supposed to be doing something, it kind of works itself out too. Right. Because it's not been as difficult to manage as I thought it was going to be wild three-year-old, not in consideration. He is, is still a problem. <laughs> He goes, we could send him to preschool in the morning. That helps a little bit. Um, but I've learned so much from talking to my families. It's interesting. I agree. The, the roles just sort of bleed into each other. And I remember being that brand new baby homeschooler that's so worried about every little thing. I can sympathize with that so much. And I'm like, it's really okay. It's really okay. It's going to be okay. I'm going to help you and we're going to get through it and it's going to be fine. And in a year, you're going to look back at this and you're going to be like, oh yeah, she was right. But it doesn't feel like that in the moment, you know, and I can, I can understand that and, and be with that. And I think I get a lot of credibility on the phone with my families too, when like the kids are going nuts and, and all kinds of stuff is happening. And I remember being on the phone with this mom that was like, I just, I work from home and I just don't know how I can do that. And I was like, I hear you and I feel all of your pain and I pray a lot. That's really, <laughs> we get through the day, but if this is what you're supposed to be doing, it's going to be fine. And we're going to work it out. And, and, and I'm here and you can call me all the time and we'll figure it out, you know, and, and they really, I think that resonates with families. Like they, they want to hear like that you are in this with them and that you understand where they're coming from. Yeah. My, my toddler is just colored Sharpie all over the wall. Like I'm, I'm right there with you. Yeah. This is one of the things about the the service, the advising services offered by Colby, this accompaniment that is available to the families. Just You guys are here for the duration. So for the enrolled families, that's one of the greatest things that comes with, with enrollment is having this, this accompaniment, this, someone to walk with you consistently. That's part of the deal. Yeah, it's great. And I constantly get people who are saying, I'm so sorry to bother you again. Mm -hmm. I'm so sorry. And I'm always saying, no, call me more. My, my whole job is to answer your questions and hold your hand. Yeah. Don't, don't, don't apologize. Ask me more questions. Call me more, 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 more. And call me as soon as you think you might have a question, because it's probably going to be easier to figure out than you, than you think it is. It's going to be fine. Well said sooner rather than later. Yeah, absolutely. Have your children become kind of aware that you're 
this advisor and that you work with other homeschooling? Not yet so much, or have they, or has it changed their perceptions of you as a homeschooling mom at all? No, not at all. Not at no. all. <laughs> That's so funny. My, my oldest, he's a sixth grader and he's definitely sort of figured it out. There was this question on the student orientation that was like, I know who my advisor is. And he wrote my mom. And I was like, I'm not your advisor, no. but well, it's okay. Like I, it's good that you know that. And he's, he's so funny. He's always my cheerleader too. He's like, you, you do so great. That's so nice that you, you know, you, this person, you need to talk to this person. They need help. Mm. Sweet. It's sweet. <laughs> that is my kids just, they're like, Oh mom, she's going to give us more work. Oh. I know. <laughs> I'm like, yep. That's my job. That's my job. There's that too. There's like, she's on the phone again. <laughs> yes. Oh, I get that a lot. Are you on a phone call? I wear my, mm, Okay, so not so great mom moment. I wear my headphones sometimes when I'm like, I just need to, there's nothing on them and I'll wear them and my kids will come up and they're like, are you on a call? I want to be like, yes, but I'm not. What do you need? What do you need? (laughs) So Erica, how about for you, um, your role as advisor plus home educator? Has it been a similar road for you that they one informs the other and and they're kind of becoming one now or how is that what's that been like for you yes it's absolutely the same when i first came into the role it was i was already um pretty seasoned home educator um, and i felt like i was already supporting and advising other families in an informal capacity um so then i came into the role and now that i've been doing this for a couple of years a question like you know what's the difference between your your educator role and your advisor role they've blended so much that it's hard to tell the difference between the two and um i learned from other families and that informs me as an educator but also my experience educating all of the grade levels and uh, having a colby grad and going through some of these courses more than once um really helps inform um my advisor role too. So they, if they have a really nice, um, to use Kristen's term, uh, the roles are very complementary to one another. And now I can't even tell the difference because I've been doing, um, advising for so long. Well, it sounds like a nice extension of the work you had been doing for a long time as a home educator at growing into that advising role. And that's neat that you're able to take that experience that you have and, and put it in the service of other families. Thank you. Are there any recurring themes that you advisors see repeatedly that you'd like to talk about, or that would be helpful to listeners to hear about things you guys encounter frequently? I kind of touched on this a minute ago, definitely the reach out sooner rather than later. I get a lot of, I get a lot of that or, or a lot of apologizing for asking questions that, that, no, don't, don't do that. Ask all the questions and, and reach out sooner. And, and also the, the other one that I talk about a lot with my families, and I mostly work with families with the younger, at the younger age range. I don't have any high schoolers. So I, it's just, it's a little bit different, but trust yourself. Like you, you know, your kids, right? That's the whole reason that you're homeschooling them. You know, your kids and you know exactly what your kids need. And you were the one that was chosen to be with them and to educate them. Right. So trust, trust your instincts, like ask all the questions, but 
the curriculum is there to help you, but it's okay if you want to make some changes in there, like Kristen was talking about, like, like my student does better listening to things, or my student needs to move around, and so we need to work for 10 minutes, and then we need to go do jumping jacks, you know, and then that's okay. Like, trust the, trust your intuition there, and I tell people that constantly. Like, it's okay for you to, to do things a little bit differently and to make it your own. It's a big help to people. Some, some, some of us, I include myself in this. We need to hear that. <laughs> it's okay. When I needed to hear that, it too, yeah. it took me years to figure that out. You know, you, you feel like, no, I'm not doing it right. I'm not doing it right. And, and especially you grew up in a, most of us grew up not being homeschooled, right? We grew up going to, to regular brick and mortar schools Went through 12 years of Catholic school. And, and my expectation is you sit down at eight o'clock and you work until three o'clock and then you get up and you do your homework and you whatever. And it looks so different that it's hard for us sometimes to figure that out. Yes. To piggyback on that, many of us are not traditionally homeschooled. And so we think that they should be sitting there from eight until three. So I, my recurring theme is too many courses. Like, and yeah. I am 100% guilty of this. So if I ever, if you're one of my families and you hear this from me, it's coming from a place of love as someone who's done it and realized the mistake of checking all the boxes and wanting to do every single thing offered, but it's not required. Um, so I have been able to really take back in my own life and be like, okay, let's let's go down to bare bones. What does that look like? And then adding in a couple of other things, but really not trying to do every single thing because the goal is not to make your kid cry. Um, right, will there right. be tears sometimes? Yeah. But not from, you know, if you hand them, they have 13 subjects and they're like, what? So homeschooling just, it shouldn't take a, an entire school day really, because it's, it's a different method. That's why I try to tell my families, I'm like, you continue to tweak until you get it to a manageable where everybody is happy with the amount they are learning in fourth and fifth grade. You're not going to be doing only an hour, but should you be doing eight hours? Probably not. Like you're trying to find that balance of learning a good foundation of material versus making them cry or not doing enough, but yeah, you tweak and you, you fine tune and and you find that sweet spot and then you get out of the sweet spot and you have to tweak and fine tune again. And that's okay. <laughs> that's actually interesting. It's one of the things that keeps kind of coming up like days of doing school or hours of doing school. And it's such a brick and mortar concept. I mean, homeschooling can be so much more efficient than being in a classroom with 20 other students in your grade or whatever. And so if you're homeschooling even somewhat effectively and you're doing eight hours at those grade levels, I mean, you're probably doing like a week of work in every day then for, for that. It's a really good point to keep in mind for for that. But mm -hmm. you know, when you've been in brick and mortar schools, that's what you're used to. Mm -hmm. And there's so much good stuff. It's hard to pick. There's there's so much to choose from. It's hard to not want to do all the things. Absolutely. That's not the lesson, though. We can't do all the things. We can do some of the things. We can't do all the things. That's you can either do all the things poorly or you can do less better. Yeah. And that's just how I present it. I'm like, you can, you can do absolutely all of this, but are they going to get all of it? Or can you do less and delve farther into it so that they really learn it? 
what about that idea of comfort zone versus, you know, getting that sweet spot. So in the comfort zone, there's not a, a whole lot of growth happening. We want to be just outside that. How do we find that? It's that kind of goes back to that. How long do we give this particular curriculum a chance to get to know if it's, if it's working for us, if there's something else going on. Same thing with the comfort zone versus the sweet spot. Well, it's, but they're related. They, I usually try to tell people they should really give it a half a year because the first quarter is always not always. Um, that's sorry. That is not true. Um, is sometimes that puppy dogs and rainbows of it's fun and new and exciting. And second quarter, um, or that second half of first semester is when it really starts to dig in and you're starting to learn, okay, this is what this is all about. And when things start to, to be new concepts and is this working is the way this concept is being presented. Is that going to work for our family? Um, and some of the, the things for curriculum are how much do you have to give to each of your student to teach it? And how much does this require? So I hear that a lot about math. Um, you know, well, how much do I have to teach it? I'm like, well, it depends on the curriculum you've got because some math requires you to be there the entire time and teach that lesson. And some allows you to present, you know, very short and you're not required as much. I think it depends on your kids too, right? Some kids, some kids need more and some kids need less and different things. And, and that's just how they are. And, and you have to meet them where they're at. And that's going to look different for the children in your family too. And I think that's, it's hard as a parent. Like I look, I look at my kids, I do it all the time. I look at my kids and I'm like, well, but, but this one did this and, and why aren't you doing this? You know, and it, and it's hard. And I totally, I totally understand where people are coming from because I do it myself, but, but they're all different and they were made that way. Right. And, and we need to value that the way that they are. And so and this goes back to trusting yourself a little bit. You have to, you have to know your children and say, like, I can push them here and here I need to give them some more grace and I need to spend more time with them on this, but I really think I could push them to do this a little bit more independently, you know, and, and trying to balance that. But it, that's easy to say it's hard to do. Well, I love that our families have advisors like all of you to kind of come to these. I remember within our own family, there's so many different learning styles and everything. So each child is different, but we actually have something common in our family that we're, we're all slow. All my children are slow readers. So my wife always does all the vision things to make sure, you know, there's nothing that everything's okay. But our first child, you know, it was that tears and like, no, we've got to get through this. And, you know, it's just almost universally, you get to like third, fourth, third grade, they're barely reading fourth grade. Okay. Starting. Then all of a sudden, fifth grade, it's like, no, they're fine. They can just do whatever. But the first child had to kind of struggle through it for years where you're just beating your head against a wall. And then now by my youngest, it's, it's okay. It's not going to be a big deal. It's, it's going to just work out. So we don't worry about that as much. We don't leave it completely behind, but fewer tears, right. fewer tears, definitely fewer tears. Yeah. Those poor first children mm -hmm. experiments. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. man. 
<laughs> I was just thinking that. Too. Yes. Like sometimes my oldest one, like like the reading is a great example. My oldest one was a very fast early reader. And then I have a younger child. My third child was not and is not. Like it's definitely taking her longer. And so it's funny because sometimes the first one you hold up is like, well, but they did this. I don't understand why you're not. And then sometimes I look at things I did with him and I'm like, I'm sorry. Really, I shouldn't have done that. <laughs> I see that now. <laughs> <laughs> but the nice thing is you've got so many years to to kind of so yeah tears but sometimes that teaches perseverance when you're you're young and you work through it but then yeah you, you figure you mess something up especially in younger grades you think well we've got eight yeah, more right. years to work on this so right course correction time. course yeah. correction when course needed correction. sometimes yeah when you guys are talking about these learning styles um, for all of your students and making sure you're meeting their needs, I think another thing that home educators should consider too is their own um, learning and teaching style because something might be a fantastic fit for a student, but if the teacher is not able to implement it and um, teach it in a meaningful way, then it's not going to be a good fit for the two of them. So you kind of have to bear that in mind too, when you're making choices. Well, that's a good point. Yeah. How do you kind of navigate that with families when you see that occur? How do you kind of help them resolve that? I guess I could answer, but um, <laughs> you might want to edit me out because <laughs> I have the opposite <laughs> issue. Like Karen was talking about how she has a younger demographic. I have an older demographic. So by and large, the families that I'm working with, um, the recurring issues are not issues about um, how to run my school day or how do I meet this child where they're at or choosing courses and things. Typically the parents that I'm working at are working with, they know those things. And the re reoccurring thing, themes that I see have to do with the new season of life, which involves college admissions, mm -hmm. um, SATs and things like that, that are new and different, or that they don't have the day in day out experience with, even if they've sent other kids to college it's not something that you're doing every day. So you're not in it in the same way. So those are the recurring questions that I get related to this new season of young adult life, basically, versus the day in day out home education stuff. A lot of my families have a pretty good feel for what's going on, or maybe they just want to bounce some things off of me. And I remember when I was in that um, season for the first time, and it was just comforting to talk to someone who'd been through that before. And so my favorite calls are ones where they end or emails even where they end with, thank you. That I just feel so much better now. And it's not that I actually gave them any tips or advice that really changed what they were going to be doing. It was just they needed a sounding board um, as they're navigating this new season with young adults, basically. Hmm. My personal experience with that, I was talking with Erica here recently, and very similar <laughs> along these lines. I can attest to the uh, sense of relief and encouragement that resulted from that conversation. Yeah. Oh, I appreciate thank you it very much. I like that as well about kind of 
the teacher's limitations, and I know I've mentioned it on the podcast before, but my wife will always talk about being the general contractor. So it's kind of nice to know, okay, well, this is something I really hate doing, and I'm just going to fail at it if, if I try to do it. So let's, let's maybe put them in an online course for mm -hmm. that one or yeah. some extra help if we can. That was how we in middle school decided to do online was it was kind of tearing my relationship with my oldest apart, um, teaching math because she wasn't open to hearing <laughs> ways yeah. to do it. Or, you know, like my background is electrical engineering. So not that I'm trying to brag on myself at all, but I am math and science focused. And I, I tend to, my, my brain sees numbers. She's art focused. And so it just, she and I together didn't meld well um, with teaching style. And I have found through lots of grace, lots of prayer and online school that we've been able to at least partially mend that relationship and taking that off of me was something that we needed to do. Um, I wasn't able to effectively teach her um, through right my teaching style, but also that wasn't working for her. Like my teaching style wasn't helping her at all. Um, so I needed to find somebody else that, that could do that. And sometimes that can be a, a change in curriculum because that works better for your teaching style and still works for your student. But sometimes that might be outsourcing. <laughs> mm -hmm. Right. Give yourself permission to do what's best for your family. Yeah. And that's one of the beautiful things about Colby is that you have that ability to customize. And if you need to pull in an outside teacher, uh, we have great online teachers. So you have these options to customize everything to what your family needs and what's really going to work for you guys. And I say, give yourself permission to do that. And also give yourself permission to hold on to the um, courses that you really love teaching. I was not willing to give up some of <laughs> some of the classes like literature and history, because we love that experience of dialogue and conversation related to that. So also give yourself permission to hold on to the things that you love teaching and doing. Yeah. I find that you all have a real gift for walking parents through, well, I can only speak personally, uh, but I see it come out in these types of conversations also. And even in your presentations and when you're speaking to a larger group, you have a way of, of asking questions or phrasing things in a way that help us consider these types of sticky situations in areas in which we are showing up to the daily doings, you know, and, and where we might need, we as parents might need to reconsider what we're bringing to it or how we are, how we are able to, what our own abilities or are given any number of factors at the current time. So helping us kind of look at the reality of it in a very gentle way that helps us a lot. So that's another, another one of the many gifts of the, of the advisors. Yeah. I really appreciate for how you all approach that that kind of thing so yeah well it has been great getting to know you ladies a little better in our next episode we have some listener questions to get your thoughts on see you then subscribe to the colby cast on your favorite podcast app so that you don't miss an episode and let us know how we're doing by leaving a rating or a review and as always feel free to email us at podcast at colby.org Mary, our mother, pray for us. St. Maximilian Colby, pray for us. Ad maiorem Dei Gloriam. <laughs>